0: You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, family. How are we doing this morning? I want to welcome you to the metro region of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. It's great to have you this morning, and I really want to especially welcome those of you who are tuning in that are friends and family and coworkers and neighbors and anybody else that we've got joining us this morning. Thank you for being with us. And it's great to be with the family. It's great to be, uh, even though we can't be together physically, but to, to know you're watching, to know. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, we tape these on Thursday. So I'm actually sitting in the living room, enjoying all the feedback on the little side things and, uh, uh, just having a great time being with the family watching all together. Um, today, I'm excited because uh, we're starting a new series. And, uh, you know, we've been uh, looking at uh, our theme for the year, as everyone knows, is, is the, uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. And, um, and so every sermon has been associated or attached with Jesus. We're making a shift. We've been doing Jesus and major topics, you know, things that Jesus uh, dealt with and taught and, and what were themes in his ministry. And now we're actually gonna go, we're going to go to Jesus and his teachings. So we're going to be doing a lot of the parables he taught and, uh, major themes that he taught major chapters or that, ha- that are subject. And today we're doing, uh, 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 actually Jesus and the heart. And it's really, um, it's really, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 13 because almost the entire chapter is associated with the heart and things of the heart. This was a major topic for Jesus. It includes a very classic, very famous parable, the parable of the sower, which is about the heart. And uh what I I'm going to challenge everybody with is that 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 parable was really not given for Non people of God, or people that are not of God, or people that don't know God, that was that was shared for God's people. I mean, and I say that because those of us who are real familiar with it, which is pretty much everybody in our church, um, we've all heard a million Bible talks on the parable of the heart. But it's it, it wasn't it wasn't written for our non Christian visitor friend. It was written for us as people of God in our hearts and, and how are we doing? Uh, you know, the heart, it's a, it, it's an important topic. It's a major topic, uh, very, very significant. It's a major organ in our body, right? Uh, it's, it's, I, I was reading some stuff about the heart and it's really fascinating. I mean, the heart beats 115,000 times a day, you know, give or take or a few. Um, it pumps 2,000 gallons of blood per day, about a million barrels of blood in a lifetime. If you were to stretch out all the blood vessels that it is constantly filling, they would be about 60,000 miles long. That's enough to go around the earth two and a half times. That's, that, that's a lot of blood vessels. In a, in a lifetime, or actually every time it pumps, it reaches actually 75 trillion cells. It's an incredible organ. It's an incredible, uh, I want to call it machinery, but it's, I mean, obviously it's an organ, but it's, it's incredibly, uh, amazing that one organ, all that it does for us. And there holds a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, cool stuff and stats that I have, but, but, and it's also, and you know, it produces enough energy in, in, in one day to move a truck 20 miles. I mean it's just an incredible organ it's an interesting organ because we we assign a lot to it a lot of symbolism to it right it's passion it's love it's courage it's morals it's value years ago I gave Michelle this heart I don't know if you can see it it's an alabaster heart and I told her I was giving her my heart you know and uh and it's actually kind of funny because I, I, I love hearts. And uh, after about 25, we're now on 32 years of marriage. After about 25 years, actually my girls, not just Michelle, my daughters too, they all said, you know, dad, just so you know, we've got enough heart earrings and heart bracelets and heart necklaces and and heart jewelry. And I didn't realize, you know, over the years, I'm always buying them heart stuff, but uh, it's, it is uh symbolic of passion, of love, of courage, of morals, of values. You know, we use it a lot for uh, in our language, right? We say, oh, he's got a big heart, meaning they're very loving, right? Or he's good hearted, you know, he's uh, uh, half hearted is not a good thing, right? Uh, softening a soft heart. We say, oh, my heart, you know, uh, are on my heart when we when we talk about what we're thinking about or what we're feeling about something, uh, we say he's got a heart of gold. We call somebody a brave heart who's courageous. We say something is heartfelt when it's really important to us. We say uh, that somebody's a heartthrob if they're super good looking or something. And uh, we have that old saying, oh, bless his heart, you know, when, you know. whatever, I won't, I won't go into that one. Uh, we say the heart of the matter, you know, when we are talking about getting down to, to the, the core issues or something, uh, we say, watch with, which with all your heart, meaning somebody is totally in or give my heart or all your heart, you know I mean? And there's more, I mean, that's just a few of them. And it's funny cause we don't say that about, The kidney, you know, we don't say, oh, he's, it's, he's soft kidneyed or he's got a big intestine. You know, we, we don't, we don't pick any other organs. We don't say, man, he's got great lungs. We, we, we don't, we don't use any other organs. It's, it's the heart. It's the heart. That's the, that's the one that symbolizes so much about a person and who they really are and what they're really about. It's a very important symbol. God says above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You know, God makes it very clear. It's very important part of who you are, your heart, your, 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 who you are. He says, guard it, protect your heart for everything you do flows from it. That's incredibly important. That's incredibly significant. You know, people generally don't talk about the heart. I mean, we don't get asked very often, how's your heart? You know, or, or, or what's on your heart? We, we actually don't really talk about it that much, except in really significant conversations. Why? Because the truth is most of the world is fairly superficial. Most of the world is looking at what's on the outside, right? With, you know, our looks, our style, our, our, you know, our money, our, our physique, or all these different things. But, of course, that's not what God makes important. That's not what's important to him. In 1 Samuel 16, there's a classic scene where where the people are, are looking for who will be the king. And they're searching for a king. And it says in verse 6 of chapter 16, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. And you know, Eliab was tall and handsome, and you know, just the kind of guy you would pick to be the king. You know, usually in a movie, the king is good looking and he's tall. You know, you got Sean Connery, or you got uh, you know somebody who's really good looking. And and boy, I just realized that's a really old reference. But anyways, somebody somebody who's you know tall and good looking. But that is not what the situation was here, and that's not what's important to God. He says, "But the Lord said to Samuel." Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? The heart. That's what matters to God. That is what's important to God. Where Where is your heart? How's your heart doing? What's happening with your heart? You know, the Matthew chapter 13, and we'll go ahead and turn there or turn on your Bibles because we're going to do some reading. It's not going to all be on the screen because we're reading a lot, um, but it's incredibly important. And Matthew 13 is probably best known for the parable of the sower. Um, that's that's how it starts out. That's what he starts with. And it's really setting up a whole series of teachings and uh, or of understanding. And so let's go ahead and let's just go ahead and read in it. Um, chapter 13, verse one, he says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus would say this, he would oftentimes end his parables saying, whoever has ears, let them hear. And obviously for the most part, most of us all have ears. It's uh, I heard somebody say one time, you know, God noticed that God gave us two ears and one mouth. So hopefully we would listen twice as much as we talk. Whoever has ears, let them hear. It's another way of saying, listen up, pay attention, hear this. Very important. And it's interesting because it says the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. You know, the first time I read that as a, as a very young Christian, I, 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 I didn't get it. I was like, wait, why would the, the person who has a lot, why do they get more? And the person that only has a little, even the little he has gets taken away. It wasn't until I realized we're in control of what we get. We decide that if we listen and do something with what we have, what we, with what we've been given, whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, why would he not have? He would not have because he's not listening. Because he's not paying attention. And even what he has will be taken away. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. You know, the Bible, it's a funny thing. On the one hand, it's a little confusing. You know, you've ever, you know, most a lot. It's a classic story where people say, "I'm going to read the Bible," and they start reading, and they they get stuck in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, and it's like, "I don't get this. I don't understand this." Or the other classic thing is people love to jump into Revelation, and which is the hardest book in the Bible to understand because of all the apocalyptic literature, and people get all bogged down in the symbolism and the and the metaphorical analysis, you know, analysis of what's happening here and what does this apply, what applied then, whatever. Ap- and they get confused and they quit. But the truth is, if we ask for help, if we ask God for understanding and we reach out and they get somebody to be a guide for us, the Bible is actually pretty clear. And there are, and all the important parts, the parts that you really need to know are crystal clear, but you, you have to have a guide to help you know where to go and what to read. And even then Every time you read it, you're going to learn more. And as years go by, we learn more and more. I, the, the very first Bible study I ever went to was the parable of the sower. And it blew my socks off. I was no Bible scholar, I knew nothing about the Bible. But when I heard this parable, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I needed help. It was not that hard to understand. When I applied to understanding, when I really listened, it became clear. And I had help. If you're trying to get to know the Bible, ask somebody for help. Everybody needs a guide. Everybody does. Everybody in the Bible had somebody reach out to them. Everybody at church had somebody reach out and help them. That's how we all get there. Nobody makes it by themselves. We all need help. He says, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear, or understand. And it's not because the Bible's too hard to understand. It's be, when we don't understand, it's because we don't make the effort. And we're not trying hard enough. We're letting things block us. And that's what the parable was given for. And he goes on, he says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the, this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. And you kind of, there's a couple of things happen here. One, it explains what the subject is. The subject is our hearts. He says their hearts will become calloused. And it tells us why, because they're not listening with their ears and they're closing their eyes. You know, I realized a while ago that you can't teach somebody that doesn't want to learn. You can't teach somebody that thinks they don't need to learn anything. You can't help somebody who doesn't want help. And you can't can't help somebody who thinks they don't need help. Their eyes are closed. Their ears are shut. You can't do it. And this is what Jesus was addressing. When people, they don't, Get it. But it's on them. It's not on God. He's trying. He's reaching out. And, and, and at the end, you, you kind of get God's heart in this. He says, He says, He says that they hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. You, you, you kind of see God's heart. He wants to heal us. And even the fact that he says heal, he doesn't say get you right, get you cleaned up, straighten you out. That's not what he says. He says, I would heal them because he knows that we're damaged, that we're hurt. He knows that. And he knows that all the sin in the world and all the garbage of the world hurts us. He knows that we need help. And he knows, and he just, oh, what does he want? He just wants us to open our eyes and open our ears, hear and see and turn to him. And he would heal us. And he tells the apostles, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. And what he's talking about is that in God's plan the 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 final so, the solution the 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 way out the the remedy the 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 vaccine to the sin of the world the the way out to victory is Jesus. And all these people before in the Old Testament, they longed to see Jesus. They longed to see the Messiah. They wanted to hear the words that would come from the Messiah. They longed for it, but they didn't because they were living in another time. And he says, blessed are your ears because you hear it and you see it. And you get it and you understand it. And you know how important Jesus is. And then Jesus does something that he doesn't do very often. And I love this. He gives the breakdown of the parable. Usually you have to kind of figure out the parable, right? But this time he actually breaks it down for us. And he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message without about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. That's heart number one. He gives us a breakdown of the four hearts. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once received it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And this is the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life And the deceitfulness of wealth choked the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. They hear it and they get it. Maybe they didn't get it the first time. Maybe it took a while, but they finally got it. They asked and they dug around and they pushed until they understood. And they got it. He says, this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And a lot comes out of that person. And they're very fruitful in many different ways because they made that effort. And that's obviously the heart that God wants us all to have. That's the right heart in this scenario, the good heart in this scenario, the open heart in this scenario, the soft heart in this scenario. So we look at them, and, and keep in mind this this is written to God's people, not to visitors. And if you're a visitor, listen because there's there's absolutely a message there for you, just like there was a message for me. But as members, we need to apply this to us. So you have the first heart, the hard heart, the path that the birds came and ate it up, the seed, the seed never had a chance to get in. It's a path. What happens with paths? Paths get hard. He said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. What was sown in their heart, this is the seed sown along the path. The hard heart. The heart that for whatever reason is hard now. It wasn't hard before, but it became hard. What makes a heart hard? What makes a heart hard? What makes people's hearts hard? Well, the, 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 the first and obvious one is sin, right? Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one of the daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The most obvious thing is sin. It's sin that makes our hearts hard. If it's pride, when we don't want to admit we're wrong, our hearts get hard. And, and and when we don't want to admit we're wrong, because it, it really what that means is we don't want to face things about ourselves. We don't want to deal with them. It happens. It doesn't just happen to evil people. Normally we think, oh, this is the atheist. They don't want to listen to God's word. They write it off. Sure, that might be the reason. But a lot of times it's when somebody's in sin. They believe God. They believe in God. They believe in the Bible. They believe in the church. They may even go to church. They may be sitting in the pews every Sunday. But the word just bounces off. Because sin, pride, lust, selfishness, greed, any of these sins. They start to harden the heart. And the word doesn't get in anymore. And there are signs when a heart is hard, nothing gets in. Nothing changes. See, the, the word of God is living and active, right? It, it's like a double-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing joints and marrow, soul and spirit, right? That's the word of God. It goes in there and it changes you. You read your Bible, it changes your mind, how you think, which ends up changing your heart, which changes your life. But when we're in sin, it just bounces off. One of the most obvious, among, in, especially among Christians, is pride. When we think we've arrived, we don't think we need to change. And we're not open to people giving us input or feedback. Or, and we don't take correction well at all. And we'd stop asking people, how, did I, how am I doing? What do you think I need to change? What can I grow in i 'll give you a challenge. Ask three people this week what do you think you need to, what they think you need to grow in and ask them to be honest and then thank them for whatever they tell you. When we get prideful we 're very difficult to give feedback, and if anybody tries to give us feedback, we bite their head off or we defend ourselves so much, or we explain things so much that they walk away thinking that's the last time I'm giving that person any feedback or I'm gonna try to help them. And the thing is this, we all need feedback because we don't see ourselves. And so we have to ask for help so that we're not taken by sin unawares. The worst thing about pride is we're usually the last one to see our own pride. That's why we need people to help us. We need others to give us feedback. You know, when somebody goes to church and they don't change. It's a sad thing when I, when I run into people who've been in the church for years and their hearts are hard. They'll say amen. They'll sit there, but they don't change. And people tiptoe around them, their wives or their husbands, their kids tiptoe around them because they can't give dad any feedback because he's hard hearted and he doesn't listen or mom or any anybody in the family. We have to be people who keep our hearts soft that the word can cut and move us and and it goes the positive way too that the word can inspire us and motivate us that we can have we can read in the bible and go yes amen or we can read in the bible and get on our knees and pray and cry because our hearts are still soft we're still moved it's kind of crazy. The older I get, the more I cry in movies. And sometimes I feel like a big baby. But I know that dealing with life and all the stuff, it just it just makes your heart softer. Especially when I worked for Hope. And I was dealing with so much suffering in the world. But it would move me as well to give God everything I had. And that's what happens. Christians have to have soft hearts. So God can move us forward. So we can be corrected and, and molded into the shape of Jesus, the Messiah. So that we can be transformed and made into his image. So we can become like Jesus. And we'll never be totally like you. We'll never be perfect. But God is trying to work with us. We're his instruments. And we shouldn't be resisting him. We should let him inspire us when he wants to or convict us when he wants to or teach us when he wants to or correct us when he needs to. And he'll use the Bible. He'll use prayer. He'll use the weakest person in the fellowship. He'll use a non-Christian who's being a jerk to speak to us sometimes. So we gotta listen to everybody. I always think, you know, there's the story of Balaam's donkey where God was speaking through a donkey. So I always think, okay, if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through anybody. And sometimes that's encouraging to me personally because I think he can speak through me if he can speak through a donkey. But we need to understand that. That's the hard heart. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let your heart be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. By anything, you know, and sometimes it's pain or suffering, and we allow our hearts to get hardened by that. And it's not the pain or suffering's fault, it's how we reacted to it in a sinful way, instead of trusting God. Instead of turning to Him and relying on Him, we let our hearts get hard when we suffer. The old saying, You get better or you get bitter when you suffer. If we let our hearts soft be softened, we get better. The second one's the shallow heart. You know, this is, remember he said, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word that once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or hardship or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is a person with no roots, basically. They have no roots. Roots are incredibly important as a Christian. What are roots? Roots are digging into the Bible and learning. Spending the time in prayer, working on your relationship with God, working on your relationships with the people around you. Those are your roots. That's what makes you strong, deep. That's not, it's not an obvious thing. You don't see a person's roots when they walk in the fellowship, but you know whether they have them or not by the strength of their convictions, by their passion for the Lord, by their, their confidence in God. Roots are incredibly important. A tree is only as strong as its roots and its root system. We lived in Miami during Hurricane Andrew, and all the palm trees the next morning, the hurricane hit at night. We came out in the morning, there was a tree laying in our front yard, and there was a boat, a sailboat in our backyard, and we had all these palm trees around our neighborhood. All of them were knocked over because they have a little tiny root system there's no way they were going to withstand those winds. But the trees with the big roots, they were the ones that were still standing. You know those big redwood trees in the redwood forest that we love so much? I mean, they're huge and they tower in the sky. How do they have the strength to grow so tall without falling over? You know what happens? Their roots intertwine and they weave together. And they hold each other up. They could never stand by themselves like that. You're not going to see one of those trees in a field by itself. Not that tall, not that big. Because they need each other. And that's the way we are. We need each other. And our roots, they have to be intertwined. I know you can't read this, but this are all the one another scriptures. Scriptures how many times God tells us that we need each other. In this time of quarantine and COVID, we got to go the extra mile to make sure we're woven together, that we're talking, that we're encouraging each other, that we're texting one another, that we're sending each other scriptures, that we're praying for each other. We've got to make sure that we're woven together. And that's our strength. You see, the second heart, it had no roots. So when trouble and persecution came, sad to say it just quickly died. And that happens, you know, when somebody becomes a Christian and they're all excited and they're they're super happy and everybody's happy, but they don't grow roots. And then when challenges come, they just quickly fall away. And we gotta grow those roots and make sure this fall, I just challenged us all at midweek to grow those roots basically to strengthen each other, to get strong in God and not let the troubles of the world choke us out To not let the problems of this world that we in our world's in trouble right now and full of problems, things that are not right and they could steal our heart and they could distract us and take our focus off Jesus. We've got to keep our focus on Jesus. There's some scary things happening out there, but we got to keep our confidence in Jesus and we've got to strengthen each other. Amen. Number three, the third, the, the tangled heart This is the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out and the, and the word choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is probably to me the most tragic one because this one has roots, <laughs> This one actually did start out great. Dug in the roots, was doing fantastic. This is a person that's been faithful for years. But then something happened to them. And it says the deceitfulness of wealth, the the worries of this life. And there are a lot of worries in this life right now. There's a lot of things to choke out our faith, to rob us of our faith. You know, I, I, we lived in the, in the East Coast for a while when we were in part of the New York church. And I saw some interesting things. This is a tree. It doesn't look like a tree because it's covered with vines. You can't even see the tree. It's completely covered with vines that are choking the tree to death. You can't tell. It actually looks pretty, but the tree is dying under there. This was a tree that the vines grew up alongside a baby tree and pulling it down I mean that's how strong I've seen big trees oak trees bent all the way over by years of vines pulling them down here's one in the snow completely bent over you think how 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 could that happen I mean how how could how could a vine the vines are thin how could they be so strong and just Time and pulling and pulling and pulling. And that can happen to us. The signs of a tangled heart, isolation, apathy, loss of zeal, unrelatability, they just don't relate to Christians anymore. The deceitfulness of wealth has captured their hearts or the worries of life, which is fear, captured their heart. What's the solution? Eyes on Jesus. Mind in the word of God. Heart in prayer. That's the solution. Is that we stay close to him. And, and you're, you're, you've, you've, we, I've talked about this a lot, I know. The importance of us being strong in God right now. Particularly right now. Our world is going through a level of trouble that I've never seen in my life before. And a lot is happening that's very scary. It's that important that we as disciples of Jesus stay strong and protect our hearts. The Bible warns us, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Protect yourself from darkness, from sin, from Satan. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, not even political philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elements, excuse me, and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. The saddest thing is that, is to see a disciple of Jesus, a citizen of the kingdom of God, taken out by the philosophies and the politics of this world. There are people who are allowing themselves to get separated from the fellowship because of political stuff. It's wrong and tragic, honestly. Tragic, Hebrews three twelve. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Don't let anything turn you away from God. Don't let anything pull you away. Fight for that relationship. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain, the mountain of the Lord. Stick to what you know is right, what you know is good. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. He tells us, don't fall short of God's grace. Don't, Don't quit when God's trying to forgive you and help you. When God is trying to show you his mercy and his love. And don't let your heart be dragged to cause trouble for others. And keep an eye out for those that might fall into this and cause trouble for the church, for God's family. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. And the Lord's talking to us. He's talking to you right now. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Do you see what he's saying? Do you get it? Do you understand? I appreciate so much what the squad is doing right now because they're trying to help us navigate through all this junk going on in a godly, righteous way. They're trying to cut a path through a lot of even the political turmoil and the, and the, and the social and racial turmoil, turmoil, helping us to get through this in a godly, spiritual way, which is awesome. And those paths, we got to keep an eye on the paths. we got to keep on the path of Jesus. And of course, the last one is the healthy heart. This is awesome. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. That means that unlike the first heart, their heart was soft. They were open. They listened. They learned. They, they let God change them and work on them. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. He says this one, unlike the first one had a soft heart, unlike the second one got rid of all the rocks in the path and dug in roots, unlike the third one dealt with the vines and kept them trimmed back so that it was it was its its faith was pure and focused on Jesus and didn't let all the problems of the world or the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out. And 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 because it did those things, this one understands, gets it. And grows and and blesses many others yields a crop a hundred sixty or thirty times bearing fruit wet fruit all kinds of fruit helping others helping weak get strong being a source of love joy peace patience kindness self-control this fruit of the spirit being the helping others become christians even that 's what we need to be busy doing even now in the covid even now in the quarantine Helping others to know God. Helping the weak to get strong in the Lord. Helping one another. This is the fruitful tree. Don't you love a fruitful tree? Don't you love a tree just covered with fruit? That's what our Christianity needs to look like. That we're giving to many. Jesus warned us, don't be one of those. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. That was the first heart. Don't be one of the ones Isaiah talked about. He said, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. He said, What's that mean? He says, you're just not going to get it. Because you're not trying. And you're resisting. And you're being prideful. Be humble. Let God shape you into whatever he wants to. Listen to the word and strive to put it into practice. Let God... Spirit move in you. For this people's heart had become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They they have their, close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn. And what does he say? I would heal them. Some of us are not doing well right now. Some of us are doing Great. Some of us are, I mean, with all the challenges and everything, we're still, we're we're cranking along. Some of us are not. Some of us have allowed ourselves to get weak and are struggling with sin. Turn and he will heal you. He will help you. Open up your heart. You can decide. To be soft-hearted. The Bible promises that He will take your heart of rock out and put in a heart that is soft, that can be moved to tears, that can cry over your own sin, that can cry out to God for help. Guard your heart. Take care of your heart. And Jesus says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, Jesus, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. We are very blessed because we know Jesus. We all have Bibles. It's awesome. And we have each other. This is a great family the metro region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ, of the International Churches of Christ, of the kingdom of God. We have such an incredible blessing. We are blessed. We see, we hear, and we respond. So let's make sure that we guard our hearts and we help each other with our hearts. In these four months or these I'd say four months like I know. Whatever months are left of this thing, we're growing stronger in the Lord because we've protected our hearts and our hearts are woven together and in God's hands. We put our hearts, just like I put this in Michelle's hand, and I said, I give you my heart, honey. Give your heart to God and make sure you keep it in his hands. God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.